Welcome to the Oil & Gas Elevate podcast. Each week, Sean McCoy and Eric Johnson share real-world case studies of businesses in oil and gas that are successfully navigating the complex environmental, social, and governance landscape. These are the stories that are driving the energy evolution. Here's a demonstration of some mental stimulation. We a nation making change. Let me frame the illustration. It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place. OGG in the power here to innovate. Welcome to the Only Gas Elevate podcast. Eric, today we're doing something else different. We're at another wrinkle for the listeners out there. You want to tell them a little bit about what we're doing today? I'm excited about this. I, I think sometimes within the within the industry, there's a little bit of an echo chamber. If you're in that 25 to 55 group, you know, you've kind of, we think certain things about the way the industry is going and what we're doing in energy transition and ESG and everything else. But excited to talk about what I'll kind of call the workforce of the future, right? The next generation that's coming up and what their thoughts are about these issues, what gives them pause, what they want to focus on, how they want to solve some of these problems. Yeah, because we can talk about it in general all we want, but we really need to listen to what they're, what they're saying, the actual people out there. And so the, the motivation was, let's, let's go get some young professionals and let us, let's talk to them. And with the idea that, the, you know, that those voices are not just valuable, but they're informative and that we need to, maybe it's a, maybe it's a challenge, maybe it's a, maybe it's a reiteration of something, but what is it that they're talking about? Because one of the things we mentioned quite a bit is the human capital and the financial capital plight happening in the industry. Right. And, and I, I think one thing is important is the younger generation may have some different ideas, some new ideas, new ways to solve things, things we haven't thought about because we're in our rut or thinking about things in a very specific way. So when we, when we think about human capital and we think about financial capital, we think about who's going to do these jobs and how we're going to finance this business. Looking forward to hearing kind of some thoughts from that next generation. Yeah. So to give you an idea, we're not doing a case study or a talking point or anything like that. We're going to turn around and we're going to actually have a reflection. We're going to talk to Dean Murphy and Alex Keene we'll talk about it here a little bit more, but we've asked them to listen to a couple of our episodes. We've asked them to kind of write down some stuff about ESG they thought before, listen to an episode, and then did it actually move the needle? Did it matter to them? Like really kind of put a litmus test out there about our theory in the case studies side is, is as we inform people, is it doing something to their thought process? Right. And, and my hope is just for you and I, Sean, that we actually learn something from it. You know, we continue to evolve, I know personally, as we've looked at all this and, and to get that different perspective, I'm, I'm excited to hear it. And we actually have a part two as well. We're going to do two of these because right. we're trying to get multiple voices, like I said. So in addition, we're going to have it. This is the first one of two. You'll hear the next one next week. Same idea, two different people. Uh, Freddie and Courtney will come up and we'll hear more about them in the next episode. But until then, I want to introduce our, our friends here today. So we have Alex Keene. She's a retention specialist with the American Productivity Quality Center. They do benchmark and best practice research across various parts of business operations. She just graduated in 2020 from the University of Alabama with a finance and computer science degree. And she grew up in Houston, and she's not here by accident. So her dad is Chris Keene, who's a friend of mine. And what's really neat about this conversation as well is you're talking about, we talk about our kids a lot. And so full disclosure, Alex grew up with my oldest daughter, Emma, and we actually had gone on vacation with him. I knew Alex when she was in middle school. So this is a really interesting opportunity to, to see, as I have with my own daughter, as we have with our own kids, go from being the kids that you're just trying to keep them from getting hurt and making sure they're, they have what they need to now... Hey, there, there's room at the table for them. There's room for them to come up and be a part of that. So 
thanks Alex. And the only thing she has to do is tell everybody how cool her dad is. And that he was, <laughs> and that he was right about ESG when he told her. <laughs> so as long as she does that, we're good. And then also we have Dean Murphy, who's really been an asset for OGGN and we've seen quite a bit of, but he's a petroleum engineering major graduating this May from Texas A&M. He's currently the president of the SPE, the Society of Petroleum Engineers chapter there. And he, we just found out, which is really neat, he accepted an offer, full-time role for in, at Inside Petroleum as a custom success engineer. So with that, Alex, Dean, thanks so much for coming on and talking to us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, so what, we said we gave, kind of gave you a little bit of homework. We really appreciate y'all doing the time, not only for that, but for this. But the first thing we asked you to do is, is kind of really reflect on before you listen to these episodes. Alex, let's start with you. Kind of when, when somebody says environment, social, governance, issues, those things that we see out in the, in the news, we see them on social media. You've heard of these things your whole life. When it specifically comes to the oil and gas industry, what, kind of what was your first reaction when you started thinking about that, that premise? Well, I'm pretty lucky. I've been exposed to the industry for a while through my dad. And so I was aware of what ESG was. Whereas my friends, when I'm trying to explain to them what I'm what I'm doing today, they had no idea. But I think there's this perception that oil and gas, maybe energy as a whole, those industries do more harm than good. And my beliefs are a bit disconnected from that because I, I have been around it. It's what's put food on the table, put me through college, given me some firsthand knowledge of really what that industry can do. So my mom was in petrochemical and my dad was in oil and gas. So I grew up in a household where every item in the kitchen, in my classroom and a doctor's office, it was pointed out that that was created by this. This is a product derived from this industry. So I got to see the importance of it. And then looking at it from an ESG side, I've also seen, I almost think it fluctuates with, I don't want to say politics, but Emphasis has been really on the social part, and then it'll move to governance. Maybe with, with Enron, we saw that. And now it's the E, the environmental side, with climate change being such a hot topic. So I've had a, a bit of exposure just through conversations at my dinner table, but I'm excited to learn a bit more. I have been, and I think it's going to be something we're hearing a lot more of. So real quick, before we get to Dean, I want to ask, just graduating from college, so obviously the dinner table, one perspective, but as you were in college... What did that expose you to in terms of different voices around this topic in the industry? Right. Well, the classic millennial, I guess I would consider myself a Z-lennial because I'm Gen Z and I'm right on the cusp. I think the voices are, are that classic pounding on the table, stop all oil production. It's horrible for the environment. But there's not really any realization. They're not super informed about what are we going to do without it? The, all the products that we use every single day that come from that, you haven't really thought about alternatives there. So in college, I think you're in that echo chamber of hearing those voices uh, and you have to be a thinker, a thought leader to influence your friends. I, I know my friends will say my opinions could be a bit biased, but I would say they're just simply informed. That usually starts the debate, but I think, yeah, you have to be be brave in my generation to have thoughts that aren't so negative about the oil and gas industry. So Dean, yourself, with ESG industry, going into this, what were, what were your thoughts? Sure, yeah. So coming from a petroleum engineer background and, and having had internships and things like that in oil and gas, like you said, you know, you have a little bit more background on what ESG means, why the industry is going that direction, and why it's important. And you also get to learn about the impacts of petroleum products, you know, obviously at the consumer level and then also the impact on, on operators and the people who work for those and the communities that are 
in those areas that are kind of interacting with industry. You know, if they're drilling a well in your backyard, you know, you're going to be impacted by that. So knowing about those kind of helps me get a better grasp on, on ESG and has it's evolved over the years. But in college specifically, a lot of my friends, you know, if they're non-petroleum, they seem to have those opinions, strong opinions against oil and gas. It seems like a lot of, especially the younger generation is, is kind of has a, has a negative connotation with oil and gas. And even ESG, they think is sort of a fake initiative. They think ESG is a buzzword that they're using to get investors. And, you know, to an extent, maybe some companies are doing that, but I think overall it's, it's a great cause. And being in oil and gas, you're able to see those good causes and listening to podcasts like Elevate, you're able to see firsthand, this is what companies are actually doing in oil and gas to actually move the needle, like you said. Hmm. Excellent. All right. So we asked them to listen to a couple of our previous episodes. One was the NOV Ideal EFRAC episode we just did, and then the Bluefield Technology. So let's start with the with the EFRAC and go from there. So Alex, what was your thoughts around what stood out to you? Well, I thought it was interesting. When I was listening to it, I Googled fracking, and I thought it was very interesting that all of the headlines for your Google search are fracking and why it's bad or just kind of, I don't know, no one seems to like fracking. So I did go into the episode with more of a negative judgmental mindset on on fracking because it wasn't something I was super familiar with. But listening and seeing that this space has opened up for companies to come in and create new products to eliminate air pollution or any of the destruction and, you know, potential for earthquakes. That was interesting to me. Dean wanted to get your thoughts. And I think this is interesting. I mean, we've got you know, basically a graduate from A&M and a graduate from Alabama. And I would consider those very traditional, not, you know, left-leaning schools in any way, really. But even the younger generation, you, know, you guys continue to, the, the industry faces that headwind. And and Alex, you said, you know, a lot of people think we do more harm than good. And I, and I, I think that is an uninformed decision. It's, I think it's a complete lack of understanding what actually, what we create. But Dean wanted to get your thoughts as you think about Okay, if, if we're going to frack, why don't we frack better, right? Why don't we why don't we get the diesel the field and why don't we use the electric terminals? Just want to get your thoughts on, you know, is there a path, a partnership path in the younger generation's mind that says, hey, we can do this better. We still need to do it. Just wanted your thoughts as you see ESG kind of come together with the traditional oil and gas side. Most definitely, yeah. So again, coming from the technical side, I was familiar with with fragging, obviously, uh, you know, coming into it and even familiar a little bit with EFRAC, not specifically this ideal EFRAC from NOV that you guys had the podcast on previously, but knowing about EFRAC and, and having had internships where I was on a frack site and it's, you know, very, very loud and, you know, deafening almost. And it's, you know, noisy, there's, you know, mud everywhere, you know, it's getting that firsthand sort of experience kind of helps me envision what these improvements would lo- actually look like in the field with EFRAC. And so, like I said, you know, in previous internships, it's extremely loud. There's a ton of trucks on site. Your footprint is, is very, very large. You know, almost the entire pad in some cases is filled with, with trucks. And you can even smell, you know, the pollution, if you want to call it that, the, the exhaust. And so with EFRAC, after, you know, kind of watching that podcast or listening to that podcast, they're talking about reducing the footprint to where you have much less trucks. I think it was something like one or two or, or something like that. And you're able to use the produced gas from the well to power that. So you're not having to truck diesel to go power all these diesel trucks. You're also having less trucks on site. So it's tremendously reducing your footprint, tremendously reducing your, your diesel fuel costs. 
And then it's also helping the environment. So, and that's another big thing. I, I feel like, you know, companies, they, they're here to make money at the end of the day. They're here to pay their employees and they can't do any good to the environment if, if they're broke, you know, if they're bankrupt. So being able to have ideal EFRAC as a economically viable solution that also improves the environment, I thought was just an awesome sort of double-edged sword. Hmm. So Alex, you t- you're, part of your, your day job is best practices and stuff like that around operations. So when you look at, I mean, so when you apply those kinds of things in your day to day, how far do you go down the road around ESG that you look at this practice and say, okay, does it have an impact on those kinds of things? Or is it just kind of, if it's better, we just use it or give it, kind of take us down how that might apply when you electrify like a fracking product or whatever it is, kind of some of the things you've seen with, as you've gotten started that might apply to that. I think one of the most interesting parts of my job is that I've been able to hear from employees from many different companies and many different industries about what's worked for them and they become thought leaders in that space. And so I think it would be really great if we could get more people talking about what they're doing in the issue space, specifically maybe in fracking, to talk about, you know, this is how we've cut costs with eFrac or these are any of the other benefits that have come up. I think that would be really great to publicize that information and, and get it out there. So I've learned a lot. I felt like a sponge in my first year of, of coming out of college and working in my first professional job. So just the more that people talk about it, which I think is great about this podcast, would be really beneficial. I want to expand on that a little bit because I think, I think it's important you know, Alex, one of the things I first got from you was this idea of you were kind of swimming upstream against a bunch of your friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're like, they, you probably got a lot of eye rolling when <laughs> you started to protect <laughs> the industry that you grew up in and that your parents were obviously involved in. But what is y'all's perception that does the industry need to do more? Do we need to find some super powerful voices at the C-suite level that are ready to stand up? And, and, and Sean, you and I talk about this all the time. It can't just be the the chart that shows all of the products that we make and try to make these logical arguments. We got to start appealing to people on the emotional side. But just as students, recent student, recent graduates, what are y'all thoughts about the industry? Do you feel like they they need to do more? Most definitely, most definitely. So, you know, a lot of students, it seems, being being an SPE, you're able to, you know, kind of get a feel at, at what the the student body, at least for petroleum engineers, are are kind of thinking. And a lot of students want to work for a company that's a little bit more progressive in, in the manner of, you know, technology wise, they want something cutting edge. They want to learn all the cool tools, all the, you know, different software they're using, but then they also want to feel like they're making a huge impact on the world and they're doing it in a morally conscious way. So, and that's exactly what oil and gas is doing. There's, there's no other industry that is as, you know, crazy technologically advanced and contributing power to the entire world kind of thing. So you can make huge impacts. You can positively impact the environment. And you can, you know, interact with a lot of just crazy cool technology in oil and gas. And, and that is there and that's the reality, but that's not what's reported. And so oil and gas needs to show, you know, maybe having young people showing, you know, in the day of the life what they actually do and, and what kind of projects they're working on and what kind of impacts those have. Maybe that would, you know, increase the positive outlook of, of the younger generation. Yeah, I agree with that. But I do think there is an element of hypocrisy with ESG saying that, these ESG issues are going to deter millennials from wanting to work in oil and gas or now we're investors. So investing in that industry. And I disagree because I believe that if I or any of my friends got a job offer from Shell, Chevron, Exxon, we would accept it in a heartbeat and then maybe justify with ourselves. We'll change it from the inside. I don't think there's that much emphasis on ESG 
when you're looking for getting your first job or, or getting starting a successful career, that's not something I asked in my first interview. You know, what mm-hmm. sort of steps are you taking to monis- monitor pollution and waste? That was not something I said. So I think maybe there's not so much of, of an emphasis on that coming in. You're kind of looking for, for mm-hmm. a good job and a solid investment. But I do think whether you're for or against the oil and gas industry, you're kind of working towards the same thing. It's just a different way of getting there. Sustainability. You want to find some sort of solution that is going to be long-term and and there is a finite amount of hydrocarbons, buzzword that I recently learned, (laughs) hydrocarbons. And so you've got to figure out where you're going to substitute your, your energy kind of. Yeah, where, where you gonna, so one for the other, no. Right. Makes a lot of sense, no, appreciate that. So in terms of, you know, cutting as new technologies, things that are going in that route, the second one we asked y'all to listen to uh, was the Bluefield technology side. So the argument, like you said, in, environment is the one that's come up, is kind of at the forefront. Diversity and inclusion, I think, are really, really close, but like climate and carbon, and we're, we're the world's boiling, we're, you know, <laughs> polar bears are going extinct. These, these are the conversations that are actually happening. And so one of the things I thought was really interesting about that episode not to preface it too much, but that it was a little bit of an outlier in terms of Yotam's story coming in. But he understood the basic premise that we can't impact what we can't, if we can't measure it, we can't, you know, we can't really impact it. How do we know what they are? So in lieu of that, was there, tell us a little bit about, Dean, maybe you can start it with, tell us a little bit when you were listening to that episode, what kind of resonated with you around that technology and what, and what Yotam and his company were doing? Yeah, so I thought this podcast was amazing, this section. I had never really heard of, of anything involving satellites to you know, be able to view in a way your, your methane pollution. In my previous internships, I had used LDAR, which is light detection and radiation, I believe, where you could almost see like an infrared image of leaks and pipes. And, and so I was kind of familiar with that technology, but taking that to a satellite level was just amazing. You're able to see the entire world's pollution and exactly where it's coming from. And so while I was listening to this, I was just kind of brainstorming. It's you know, pollution right now is, is sort of a team effort. It needs to be at least. And, you know, if, if one country is polluting a lot and all of these other countries are taking these initiatives to reduce their emissions even by a little bit, making these little incremental cuts, then it wouldn't really matter, you know, if, if this person's still going on and this country's still going on and then polluting. So having the satellite technology and being able to hold the entire globe accountable and seeing exactly where it's coming from is more of an unbiased, you know, sort of reduces some of that governmental bias that there might exist. And being able to sort of compare apples to apples, every single country, what's your pollution and what is it actually, you know, what are we seeing from the satellites that you're polluting? And I think, you know, that, that is definitely the future. That's the, that's the way to go. Yeah, Eric, I think in that podcast you said data is, is power, data is change, and Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, you, can't, <laughs> you can't improve something that you're not measuring. And that resonated with me because I work for a benchmarking company. And so we are constantly relying on this living library of metrics in order to give accurate and actionable information to our clients. And I don't think there's been really a metric or measurement system for ESG where you can look and say, are you doing this check? You know, how are you performing this way? Are you in a top median bottom percentile? So I think having these numbers that you can actually look at and and compare across a board would be really beneficial for the industry. 
So insightful from the young ones, right? <laughs> I actually do think that is probably the biggest issue in front of us right now. And we're starting to use technology to gather data. And what we need is comparable data so that we can make decisions, whether those be financial decisions, whether it be operational decisions, whether it be geopolitical decisions, kind of towards Dean's point about, you know, who are we going to talk to about what's doing what. Let's expand a little bit on the technology side. I'm just curious from a college standpoint and your college experience, you know, traditional you know, petroleum engineering classes and others, do you all feel like at the college level they're doing enough on the technology front? I, I do think the future of oil and gas is going to be tech. There's going to be fewer people mm-hmm. doing more jobs with bigger screens in front of them, right? And just get y'all's thoughts on where, where tech's headed and what you think, what that kind of college tech training is going to look like. Yeah. So education seems to always lag what the industry is doing. You know, industry is like a speedboat and, you know, college is like a giant cruise ship when it comes to adaptability. You know, there's a lot of more red tape at schools rather than a private company. So obviously school is is not at the same place as, as where, you know, the industry is. But at least at A&M, we are making steps to to kind of go that way. There are data analytics specifically for oil and gas. I believe it's data am- analytics applications to oil and gas, I think is the class name or, or something along those lines. So there is that effort to, to be teaching sort of the digitalization of the oil and gas industry in classes at some of the better schools in the world for that specific subject. And then there's also a bunch of SPE efforts, whether that be internationally or, or locally at, at our chapter to teach that as well. So I think it's there. I don't think it's to the level that it needs to be. I think just taking one class on machine learning won't be enough to prepare you to the rapid, rapid change that's about to happen. And earlier you mentioned, you know, starting with Combo Curve, and that's a company exactly that, that is exactly doing that. And so they're being able to automate what, you know, a couple, you know, production engineers would have done by themselves with, with one software program. So that's just a perfect example of how it's, you know, getting more digital, getting more optimized, not requiring as many people. And so if you're graduating, you don't have those skills they're probably not going to pick you up, unfortunately. What are your thoughts? I don't know what was done at Alabama, but what are your thoughts on kind of- Hey, in, now. In, <laughs> <laughs> well, but the industry partnerships. Do we need to see Exxon and Chevron and Halliburton and Schlumberger showing up more on campus, offering mm-hmm. access to, you know, here's our analytics program. We want to be able to sit down with you and teach you how this works. Just your thoughts on kind of the, kind of the industry- you know, college partnership to go from cruise ship to speedboat. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think that meeting with some of those companies is a bit harder. It seems really exclusive. And so a lot of people also aren't aware of what the work they're actually doing because we don't see them on campus. We don't have them talking to us. And and maybe that's just because I went to school in a place where oil and gas isn't a big industry. It might be different at A&M. I was very educated on the lumber industry but not so much oil and gas. But I do think on the technology side, I was a computer science minor, so I came out with basic coding knowledge and and other database. I was able to work in those applications. And then you come into a company where, unfortunately, some of the, I don't want to say older, but more experienced (laughs) members of the company think that you are doing wizardry when you're working in you know, Microsoft Excel. So it's really up to our generation to pioneer some of this tech, these tech initiatives and some of these advancements, because I think we're a lot more fluent and it comes really naturally to us. Interesting points. So as we wrap up, just kind of each one of you could take a moment, kind of what was your bigger takeaways or what did this move the needle? Did it make an impact on you? Either way, did it help you take ESG a little bit more seriously or whatnot? And kind of what was your takeaways from this overall, Mm -hmm. Dean? 
Yeah. So for me, initially, like I said, I was familiar with ESG, but not some of the more of the detailed sort of nuanced areas like the satellites from I believe it's Bluefield Technology. Mm-hmm. With them, I had no idea that was a thing. So I originally thought, you know, this this really lofty goal of solving these climate initiatives, I thought was pretty pretty close to impossible. It seems like we're able to reduce the time that we get to climate disaster. But with something like this, where we're able to monitor apples to apples and, and hold everyone accountable at the same sort of scale without any bias in there, I think could be a huge step in, in maybe making greater progress or, or preventing that altogether. I agree. I think I came into this having a very basic knowledge of ESG. I wasn't really sure what went into it. And now coming out of it, I've learned that companies are doing more than just donating to charity or putting a swing set in a park or just posting their financials publicly. There's a lot more happening behind the scenes and it's going a lot deeper than most of us realize. Yeah, And I think that's a huge point because as somebody who you know, on a personal level, has been very involved in corporate philanthropy, and I think we've all we all see that need. But this is an augmentation of that because that that unfortunately, and I'm sure that there's people that we know that have been your years. Well, you can do those things anyway. Sometimes they're not even the best way to, to invest your money. Sadly, there's you know, especially around the ESG argument around what we're doing in that regard. Giving money to a school is great, but maybe investing in the technology so we can actually see what we're putting out there in terms of greenhouse gas emissions versus just kind of guessing or putting it out there. I mean, these are important steps and they all require resources. So uh, any last words before we wrap up, my friend? I thought it was great. Thank y'all for joining us so much today. And y'all are the future. It's the step forward for the industry. And and it's great to hear that y'all are engaged and and care about these things and and want to push in the right direction. Yeah, so thank y'all so much for coming. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for having us. All right, with that, we'll wrap up this episode. And next week, we'll be back with part two. Until then, y'all be good. Hey everybody, it's Savannah from OGGN, and here are the events on deck for May 2021. This month we have four events, but if you'd like the full list, you can click the link in the show notes to sign up for our online events newsletter. We send it out every month, and it includes more info about the events I talk about here. We even include events that occur two months ahead of time, so if you're interested in always staying in the loop about oil and gas events, make sure to check that out. First up, we have our in-person event, which is the 20 YPO's networking mixer at the Houston Club on May 25th. Next, we have our three online events, the Post-Industrial Summit Series from May 4th to June 22nd, the Data Fabric and Data Ops webinar on May 5th, and the Maritime Career Day hosted by Women Offshore on May 21st. Other than these events, OGGN has a live stream this month titled Identifying and Evaluating Advantage Oil Projects on May 5th. So make sure to check that out on our Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com for more information. You can also find more information about that or any of the live streams or events we have coming up also on Facebook, LinkedIn, or OGGN.com. If you have any questions about these events or any of our shows, make sure to reach out to me through my email in the show notes. That's all for May. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. On behalf of the Elevate podcast team, thank you so much for clicking play and bringing to life these amazing stories. We hope this elevated your perspective and serves you well as you navigate understanding ESG and the energy evolution. We are so grateful for your time and kindly ask that you rate and review the show on Apple iTunes, which is a great way to help us grow. The best way to support the work we are doing is to tell a friend about it, ask them to listen, and share with others what you've learned from listening to our guests. Lastly, we want to invite you to reach out to us for any comments, suggestions, or just to connect. You can do that through my email, sean.mccoy at oggn.com. I'd love to hear from you and what you think of our podcast. Be safe, and we look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Here's the deal.
demonstration of some mental stimulation We a nation making change, let me frame the illustration It's time for us to elevate your mind to a higher place OGG in the power, here to innovate Innovate. Elevate your mind to a higher place OGG in the power, here to innovate